Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Davis and Bullpen Sort, and ask me questions if I was confusing. Yesterday was Monday... And in the, what was it, second inning, Brennan Davis was hit by pitch. And about eh, three or four minutes later, he was lifted from the game after running to second base in a fashion that kind of looked like, you know, we probably don't need to have him out on the field right now. And he is day-to-day. And there was... A degree of oh, how do you, how do I want to phrase it? Um, mock concern or feigned concern or even genuine concern because you don't like to have your prime minor league prospect injured with something that yikes, and um, that's going to happen. Baseball as much as As much as baseball fans don't want injuries to be a part of the game, injuries are a part of the game. And it's never, you know, leg or ankle or wrist or whatever it is. It never ends up looking good. It never ends up seeming good. It never ends up looking like it feels good. The reality is... As a team plays enough games, guys are going to get hurt. And yeah, it kind of stinks. The reality is, though, if a pitcher is going to be facing Brennan Davis in one of the earlier games this week, or last week, whenever it was, Davis went oppo, right center, home run. Well, if he's going to take right center for a home run, at some point you got to come inside. And if you're going to come inside, you don't want to leave it in or half. There are going to be hit-by-pitches, especially when the hitter is good. That's how baseball works. Pitchers have to work both edges of the plate. Otherwise, they're not going to matter. Graham Ashcraft, the pitcher who hit Davis is going to matter. He is a very useful arm in the red system, and Graham Ashcraft will be one of those Reds pitchers that for the next three or four years, he's going to be a name that you're going to get used to. Graham Ashcraft knows how to pitch, and because he knows how to pitch, he knows that if you're going to pitch inside to Brennan Davis, you're going to want to make it inside inside, not over the center of the plate inside. There are going to be injuries to everybody which is one of the reasons why that entire silly outdated concept, silly outdated concept that many baseball fans have that we're going to play the same nine guys every day is absurd. That's not going to happen. Usually what a team is best off doing is having 
offensively 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 players, all of whom are usable at the major league level. And depending upon who's healthy, who's injured, who's getting called up from the minor leagues, who's on the mound, each day the lineup is going to be at least somewhat flexible. For the people who think, oh, it should be the same nine guys every day, no. No, it shouldn't. You should not have a player sitting on your bench, not playing for six months. You shouldn't have a player who, hey, I've been sitting on the bench for the last three weeks and I haven't gotten in a bat. That would be stupid. That would be pointless. The goal should be, okay, we're going to get all of these players some sort of look through the week. When is the most optimal time? How many starts should this guy get a week? Should it be four? Should it be five? Should it be six? Should it be two? For each different player. And occasionally it'll be seven. But in the minor leagues or at the major league level, it should be a shuffle. If the guy's on the roster, he should play. Especially if your team isn't necessarily looking like they're going to be winning 93, 94, 95 games and in a desperate fight for a postseason bid. Get to know your players. Use them all. Figure out who's the best. Go with them a bit more than the others. Brennan Davis stinks that he's injured for a while, that he'll miss a couple of days. He'll be back, don't worry. And if you're truly interested in Brendan Davis, listen to a couple of iCubs games. Listen to a couple of iCubs games in April because that's where he's going to be playing. And if you're listening to Brendan Davis games, you're also going to learn some other stuff because you're going to learn about other names. You're going to learn positive things. You're going to learn negative things. And there you go. Um, I saw the lineup for Tuesday. Owen Casey is batting ninth. Woohoo. Awesome. Now for the other angle of this podcast episode. Reliever sort. Reliever sort. Quite a few baseball fans think they can watch a player once or twice and have the entire career of that player Oh, geez, how do I want to tumble in front of their eyes? I saw this guy pitch this one time, and I have a complete knowledge of how his career is going. No, you don't. No, you don't. Unless he goes out and gets injured and is grabbing at his forearm as the um, trainer is walking him off the field then you probably have a fairly decent idea. But the reality is, pitchers sometimes get lit up. Sometimes pitchers get lit up. I haven't played much dice baseball recently. But in most instances of dice baseball, whichever the version, whichever the version, whether it's Stratomatic, Sports Illustrated, Avalon Hill, whichever one, you APA, Um, out of the park. What usually ends up happening is however the game is set up, 
about half the time, the pitcher decides what happens. And about half the time, the hitter decides what happens. You roll the dice. Oh, okay, let's see. This will be on the pitcher's card, so whatever. And in that sort of a situation, pretty much regardless who the hitter is, the pitcher's going to decide what happens. If it's on the hitter's card, then the hitter's going to decide. It's usually about 50-50. It's not a case of where every single time that a pitcher surrenders a hit, it is a horrible thing by him. Not how it works. Spring training, you're going to have an absurd number of pitchers come on in relief. Now, some people can be totally oblivious of what's going on, which I guess if that's what they're into is fine. Yay, go team that I cheer for. But I'm much more interested in trying to do data sort. Should this guy be at the major league level? Should he be at the AAA level? Or should he be released? Those are basically the options. Possibly there's a guy who, um, working in a major league spring training game, should be at AA or high A. Owen Casey will probably be at low A or high A. He'll probably be at low A. Um, and he's batting ninth today. But most of the time, the relief pitchers, as you look at the relief pitchers, where does this guy belong? Should this guy be retained for longer-term purposes? I remember back a while ago, late in the Jim Hendry era, 2009, 2010, 2011, when things completely started to fall apart, Jim Hendry did not have a whole lot of bullpen options that were reliable. It was not a concept he even ran through. He'd bring, oh, I don't know, six or seven starters, 10 or 11 relievers. They'd have a whole bunch of minor league guys. And then the people in camp would fight it out, and the people who made the team made the team. The guys who didn't make the team got released, and then you kept on going from there. That was generally how it was. However, now it's completely different because teams bring in 17, 18, 19 pitchers to fight over those bullpen spots. But, Tim, they don't have 17, 18, 19 relief pitchers on the 40-man roster. You're correct. You are very correct on that. They have a whole bunch of guys who are non-roster invites, who are brought in, and if they make it, they make it. And if they don't, there's a decision of, do we send them to AAA or do we release them? And to a large extent, those are the decisions. So when you have pitchers like Locke St. John coming on and getting three hitters out in a row in an exhibition in a spring training game against the Reds, hey, that's kind of cool. And you leave it there. And when a name comes in and you're not familiar with them, try to connect dots. Did this guy have something that was interesting? Is there something interesting there? Is this guy worth keeping around? 
is he going to be worth sending to Iowa? Because if you remember properly, last year, players that were signed as non-roster invites were sent to Des Moines. Ryan Meisinger comes to mind. Um, oh, goodness, there were a whole bunch of them. And whoever was doing well at AAA was the guy who would get the next call-up. So somebody gets injured. Hey, who are we going to call up? Well, this guy's doing the best at AAA, so then you call him up. Now, there are little... Uh, preferences. Players who are already on the 40-man roster will probably get the preference over guys who are not on the 40-man roster. But uh, Cubs had one guy, Adam Morgan, last year. They called him up late because if they decided, let's keep Adam Morgan on the 40-man roster, they could have done that. As long as they called him up before the season ended, they were going to give him an audition. It turns out he did not pass the audition. Someone else picked him up as a non-roster invite. And he's trying to make that team. I can't remember. I, I, his name just he, his name crossed um, MLB trade rumors somewhat recently. But um, data sort. Where does this guy belong? Who should be in the bullpen? And don't get and some people like to on was it March 20th? This should be the Cubs bullpen. Eh, no, it's too early. It's too early, it's too early, it's too early. The goal is to decide which guys on the 40-man roster should not get released. The goal is to try to keep players healthy and go with it from there. It's not all that essential to have the best 26 or 28 or 29, however many players it's going to be. It's not that essential to have the exact perfect guys right away. The goal is more so figure out which guys are longer term worthwhile keeps and don't lose them. Don't lose them and go from there. So as you start watching these relievers, saw Scott Efros getting some positive results, um, positive reviews on something on Twitter today. Assess the guys. Is this a guy that you don't want to lose? Is this a guy that you don't want to lose? If he's a guy that you don't want to lose, don't lose him. Whatever that means. Whether it's a pitcher, whether it's an outfielder. Do the data sort. Does this guy seem like he's a player that probably ought to be retained for a while. And guess what? You're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong now and again. Because there's more information than you have or I have. A whole bunch of stuff is... What do his Rapsodo numbers look like? What do his Hawkeye numbers look like? What do his Edgertronic numbers look like? What is his spin rate on his slider? Those things all kind of matter. We might not want them to, but they do. Mind that. As you watch the minor league games, have fun, enjoy.
But players are going to get injured. And players are going to have a chance to step up. Some of them will, some of them less so. As best as you can, assess which guys, hey, this guy seems like he might be useful longer term this season. And remember, the Cubs are going to go through 60 or 70 players this year. They just are. They just are. Some of the guys will get brought in and, oh, well, this this isn't going to work. And then when those players go away, someone else comes to replace them. Mind the 40-man roster. Mind the bullpen. Which guys seem to have put away pitches? And which guys seem, which guys seem more useful long-term? I still hold two. The Cubs are more committed to 2023 and 2024 than they are to 2022. I know a lot of people get really upset about that, but that's the way that I see it. Spring training is about getting players ready and assessing players. That's the main thing. It's not about winning said game. It's not about did certain fly ball land in to score the two runs. It's about getting players ready, keeping players healthy, and making the right decisions long-term. As long as you remember, keep the players healthy, get them ready for the regular season, and, then, and make the right, the right long-term decisions, then you'll be a lot closer than a lot of people are to how spring training ought to be being assessed. Thanks for stopping by.